0: The value of a gift. I've been thinking about that lately, that the value of a gift, it doesn't seem to me that the value of the gift really is determined by the price tag. I I think the value of a gift is determined more by what it actually cost the giver. Not not just the, the money that he or she paid at the store, but the sacrifice that was required. What did they have to do to get the money to buy the thing? But even more than that, how much of their thought did they put into the gift? How much of their heart is represented in the gift? When a gift is given, how much of self is attached to the gift? Isn't that where the real value lies? And if that's the case, how much must our God love us to give us His only begotten Son? We've spent some time these last few weeks. We journeyed to Calvary and we stopped at the top of the hill to listen. It's important for us to hear the Savior speak in order that we can understand what happened there that day. And so we've listened carefully. In the first three hours that Jesus hung on the cross, we heard him speak about others and care for them. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He said, Mama, behold your boy. Only he didn't say mama. He changed he changed the title on purpose. He said, Woman, behold your son. John, behold your mother. The first three hours he hung there. He spoke, but he were all all his recorded statements were about others. And then the world goes dark as God pours His wrath out on Jesus who according to the New Testament, the the, uh, uh, the epistles, according to the epistles, Jesus becomes our sin. It's not that He took our sin on Him but remained who He was. It, It says He became our sin. And so God's entire wrath Is poured out on that sin. We finally begin to understand the seriousness of our sin that must cost that much in order to redeem us. And it is in that darkness, in that time of wrath and separation and suffering, he says, God, why have you forsaken me? And it is only then that we hear him speak out of his own humanity, speak of his own personal, physical suffering as he cries out somewhere in the midst of those three hours of darkness, I'm thirsty. And then, having accomplished all things, Having fulfilled all scripture, having completed all the necessary sacrifice for sin, he declares to the world, It is finished. And we've heard him say those things. This morning we hear him again in his final statement. From the cross. If you have your Bible with you, look with me in Luke chapter 23, as we hear the last thing that Jesus had to say before he died. I want us to look at it very carefully in order that we might more fully appreciate, comprehend, and understand the depths of God's love. If he would go to this extent to to give us the gift of grace, the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation, if he would go to this extent to put this much of himself into it, then we begin to get a better understanding of the value of that great gift. So let's look at it carefully. Luke chapter 23 Look at verse 46. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice. I don't even want to go on because that first part is so exciting. Crying out with a loud voice. This is not the final whimper of a beaten, defeated Loser. He still has power, or he couldn't cry out with a loud voice. This is not a whisper. This is a loud statement for all to hear, for you and for me and for those who were there and for people throughout the ages and for Satan and his demons to hear. And yes, for the Father to hear as he cries out with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. You see, I just love the way that, that, that verse is laid out because it didn't start with he was breathing his last and said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. No, there was still power. There was still strength. He said, with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And then, because there was nothing left to do, because he had fulfilled every purpose, he breathed his last. I want us to think about about what all of that means. And the first thing that we notice is that his relationship with the Father was restored. What was the first thing he said on the cross? I gave you a review just a second ago. You tell me, what was the first thing he said from the cross? Do you remember? Father, forgive them. In the middle of his crucifixion, when all the lights went out, and he was alone, the wrath is being poured out, he said what? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only time we have recorded in the Gospels that Jesus referred to him as my God. Jesus talked often about the Father, my Father, our Father, your Father. This is the only time he says my God in direct reference. Why? The relationship has been severed For the first time in all of eternity past, Father God, Son God, have been separated because sin has entered into that relationship. And so he started by saying, Father, and then he called out, My God. Now, how did he start this last statement? Father. You see, the relationship has been restored. Why? Because the penalty has been paid. The cup of wrath has been poured out. The last drop has fallen. All of God's wrath has been been brought down onto sin, and the price is paid. Jesus paid it all. Nothing left to pay. Therefore the sin has been taken care of and the relationship between God the Father and God the Son has been, I guess we could say, redeemed. Has been restored. His relationship with His Father was restored. Now the power of that is not only what happened within the Trinity. The power of this statement, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, is that because of what Jesus has just completed on the cross, now you and I can call God Father as well. That's what's amazing. He is the firstborn of many. He's the big brother And we we can all be His brothers and sisters. We can all be adopted into God's family and be Jesus' little brothers and sisters within God's family. And we too can call Him Father, Abba. 1 John chapter 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Father, it's a great word. Notice the second thing that we recognize when we hear him speak is that he, is, he moved himself into the Father's hands. Notice he did not say, "Father, I give up. Father, I'm done. Father, come and take me." No, he said, "Father. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. He moved himself into the Father's hands. For the last 12 hours or more, he has been in the hands of man. Dragged from the garden to one court after another court after another court. Dragged down the Via Dolorosa. Dragged up Calvary's mountain placed on the cross at the hands of wicked people. He's been in the hands of man all these hours. But now that time has come to a conclusion. No longer will he be in the hands of man. He did what was necessary at that level. Now he commits his spirit to God the Father. Notice what he said Earlier in his ministry, Matthew 17, when they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he'll be raised to life. And even right there in the garden, right there in the garden, before they took him away, in Matthew 26, he returned to the disciples and said, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. So He's been in their hands this time, and now He Himself moves Himself from their hands into the Father's hands. He voluntarily delivered Himself into their hands. Now He voluntarily delivers Himself into the Father's hands, which takes us to the third thing that we learn as we hear Him speak this great word. And that is that he yielded himself to the Father. He yielded himself to the Father. The very first recorded statement that Jesus ever made, I mean, he said other things as he was growing up, obviously. But the first thing we have on record that Jesus ever said was, didn't you know that I would be about my Father's business? my father's business that's what he told mary when they you remember when he got lost at 12 and and he he hung back in the temple and they didn't know where he was the whole thing he said didn't you know i'd be i'd be about my father's business and from that moment on throughout the gospels we see that he is about his father's business in, in, in the, the wilderness experience, in preparation for ministry, he, he, he feeds not on the, the stones that the, 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 the enemy offers, but he, he feeds on the very Word of God. He is about his Father's business. When he first gets started in ministry, he is all about serving the Father. Throughout his ministry, he is, he is living and serving the Father. And now he dies just like he lived, yielding himself to the Father. His entire life and now his death, he has yielded himself to the Father, giving us a great example of how to live and how to die. Have you yielded your life to him? Who's really in charge of your life? Who's really on the throne? Have you yielded your life to Him? Can you say one of these days, can you say with Paul, I know whom I have believed and am convinced that He is able to guard what I've entrusted to Him until that day. Can you say that? I know who I believe and I have yielded myself to Him. I've put my life in His hands. And because of that, I know He's going to take care of me forever. Place my life in his hands. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we we hear him say that, we recognize one more thing. And that is that he was in control to the end. Make no mistake about this. Make no mistake here. Those people did not kill Jesus against his will. Jesus laid down his life. There's a difference. He was in charge from the beginning to the end. He didn't die because he could no longer live. He died because he fulfilled his purpose. Nobody took his life. He gave his life. I want to show you a verse that actually changed my life. And it changed how I understand what I do in my calling to ministry. It's in John 10. Jesus said, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. Did you hear that? Stop arguing over, did the Ro- are the Romans responsible for killing Jesus Are the Jews responsible for killing Jesus? Are we responsible for killing Jesus? That's so shallow and it misses the point completely. Jesus is responsible for Jesus' death because Jesus was the one who was in control. I laid down my life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. So understand when he cries out with a loud voice. It's a reminder that he has not been beaten. He has accomplished his purpose. And having accomplished his purpose, he stays in charge and control. And he says, now I commit my spirit to the hands of the Father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. None of us have that power. None of us have that authority. Jesus was in complete control from beginning to end.